I was really hoping I'd wake up this morning to snow, <laughs> but no such luck. It's Portland. I'm um, driving to Abayagiri on Tuesday, um, and so I've been really watching because I go over the over Mount Shasta, Ashland first, and then Mount Shasta. So. <clears throat> It should be, but it should be raining by the time I get over there, which is you know, fortunate, but not quite as much fun. I was uh, listening to a Dhamma talk today by Lung Parpasano. I was trying to unfold, uncurl this. Um, came across it in one of my old files um, called... Uh, happiness, joy and happiness, or happiness and joy, something like that, uh, which is uh, that's a topic that I decided to, that I wanted to uh, contemplate because, um, I don't know, Thanksgiving, dinner day, uh, it's very joyful for me. I really, I enjoy cooking. and But this last uh, weekend has been actually quite... Uh, uh, stressful, anxious, making, getting ready for uh, uh, various things that I had to do, things that weren't going to get done because of other things I had to do, and and uh, and then finally just getting into it and just noticing the difference of once I'm into it, and and I'm no longer thinking about what I'm not doing or not getting done, then this you know this joy arises. I noticed this with. Uh, the weekend teachings that Ajahn Jeff gave when he was here, that uh, I found I found them really grounding, really brought a lot of joy, a lot of relaxation, a lot of contentment uh, to my uh, inner being. My uh, um, I, I was really quite enjoying uh, the simpleness of uh, the practice. Uh, along with his guidance, and and he was telling me, just you you want to protect this, you know. This is what we we work at developing this in meditation. Now you want to really protect it, and a way of protecting it is not not going out in the mind at every moment. Just like see if you can dwell within the stillness that we practice cultivating in meditation. Pay attention to that, being still in the present, content with the present, being with it as it is, not um, wishing that it were anything other, but noticing how I'm dealing with it in the present moment. You know, and so, so feeling really full, really um, confident, really at ease after the weekend with this teaching. This, what what this brought for me, uh, what I what I noticed was, I, did, I should add that uh, Alistair was gone for two weeks. Uh, as soon as Ajahn was gone, then Alistair had to depart for a couple of weeks. So I had a lot of time to really pay attention with, you know, not a whole lot of distractions on this. And what I found was, uh, I was amazed at how much mundane work I could get done 
because I wasn't thinking about what else I should be doing. Because the practice was just be content with where you are at. Let that stillness in the present moment be uh, your, your way of protecting, uh, cultivating the ability of, um, you know, a calm and contented heart, a calm and contented mind. So I found myself really excited to think of things that I could do, little jobs that I could do that would keep me in the present moment because they were so mundane that I'm not going to, there's just, it made it evident that when my mind wanted to go out because it was maybe getting bored or, you know, just wanted to get stimulated. So one of the things that I got excited about doing, and there was a whole list of things that I got done in those two weeks, but one of them was uh, taking, it was cleaning off, we have a little caravan and it's, it sits outside and it needs to be um, attended to every, you know, before the winter and before the spring. And so it was, it was literally growing a little bit of mold on some of its, um, some of the places that it had folds in it, say, around the windows and around the middle of the whole airstream. It's little bits of mold. I took a toothbrush to get this out. So I literally cleaned um, every area where there was mold with a toothbrush on our airstream. And it was delightful because I just, it was a practice of staying in the moment. And so I found so many uh, um, exercises throughout the two weeks Alistair was gone that kept me, that, that worked well with staying in the present moment, even brushing my teeth, you know, but just that intention, setting the intention to stay. So as this weekend approached, I found myself, I had, I had miscalculated um, a responsibility. And um, in that miscalculation, it meant that I had, I did not have uh, the weekend to do what I had set myself up to do. I had something else, kind of a mundane responsibility, but it took me the entire, well, Friday and Saturday. That was my weekend. It took me the entire weekend to uh, get through it, most the entire weekend. And I, at first, for the first couple of hours, I really resented it because uh, all I was doing was sitting there thinking I should be doing something else. I shouldn't be doing this. Whose fault is this? Surely it's not my fault. <laughs> you know, who can I blame? And, and I just found this sense of irritation and then realizing, oh gosh, I am so unhappy right now. You know, and this, this uh, Tama talk that I had to search for uh, from Longpur, I remembered it from long ago, where he talks about the six qualities of joy and happiness. And um, and they all have to do with, you know, the the person being responsible. If that's not there, it's because these qualities are missing. You know, one or more of these qualities are missing. So pulling up this talk so that I could settle in again, get back into 
what am I doing in the present moment that is making me suffer? Why am I not happy? And what can I do about it? So, anybody here interested in those six qualities? <laughs> so, I'll for, first I'll just read them. Um, so, he talks about delighting. So, actually turning our attention to delight in the Dhamma. Uh, and the Dhamma being the, the right here, right now present moment, what's going on, what's the truth about this moment, just really delighting in, not adding to it, but just being aware, delighting in the Dhamma, delighting in mental cultivation, delighting in letting go, delighting in seclusion, delighting in benevolence, and delighting in non-proliferation. And the, uh, he makes a point as he speaks about this, the mental cultivation, the letting go, the seclusion, the benevolence, the non-proliferation, as we delight in these aspects of skill, it's, it's, it is delighting in the Dhamma. This is what the Dhamma is about. So that the, the Dhamma, when we're really delighting in the Dhamma, when we're present in the Dhamma, when we're just with... How it is, we're not we're not um, proliferating about how it should be, who's to blame, where we'd rather be, what we'd rather be doing, who we like, who we don't like, what we like, what we don't like. We're not proliferating around that. We're just being in the moment, and so you know, t- doing some kind of mundane activity like taking a toothbrush and scrubbing the mold off the caravan. You know, just just doing this activity, noticing when the mind goes out and bringing it back in and delighting in the fact that we can bring it back in. That's, that's you know, these all come together. Um, they all, they're all aspect of the same thing. They're all aspects of the, of the Dhamma. So he talks about um, mental cultivation, joy in aligning the mind with Dhamma. There's a real joy in uh, the mind turning toward and away from, uh, turning toward the Dhamma, turning toward the present moment, and away from the distractions of our desires, the distractions of our our mental proliferations, um, the, the distractions of our aversions. Uh, the distractions of our thoughts and feelings, it doesn't mean that we don't see them and we don't have them, but that we don't take them as the truth. We don't, they, they might slightly align with the truth, but, but our, our thoughts and our feelings are really here to provide us with a sense of who we are according to who we want to be, who we are according to who we want others to think of us, as opposed to just what's happening in the present moment, you know. So mental cultivation, we 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 cultivate uh, our ability to train the mind to turn toward the truth, to recognize the um, instability, 
the insufficient information uh, that that comes up in our thoughts and our feelings to just recognize this isn't necessarily true. You know, cultivating our mind, training our mind to come back just to the present, letting go of trying of reaching out. You know, going somewhere else, uh, trying to manipulate. You know, um, being averse to whatever is going on in the present moment. Just cultivating that ability to turn it back. Turn it back to this is what's going on. I'm simply scrubbing the mold out of the airstream, off the side of the airstream. And delighting in that ability, recognizing, oh, yeah, I went out. I don't want to do this. It's really cold outside. You know, just, oh, just, that's, that's me beginning to suffer because I'm going out following my aversion of I don't want to be doing this. And then paying attention to just bringing the mind back to what well, this is what I'm doing. And this is, and it actually helps to make a commitment if you're going to do use a um, the benefit of some kind of mundane activity to really make a commitment to get through the entire thing, whether that's for an hour or until the job is done. But making a commitment first and then watching the mind as it goes somewhere else, feeling that anxiety or discomfort, discontentment arise and turning the mind back to the commitment of this is what I'm doing. I'm just taking out the mind, paying attention then. And we get, I was really amazed at how good, uh, how well I actually cleaned the Airstream. I was, I was, so, deli- I was so delighted with how well it, I, uh, that I actually got the whole thing that I, and that it really looked nice that I, I raised my kitchen blind so I could see the airstream every once in a while because it felt good. <laughs> Man, it looks nice. And then I felt good to have that done because that's extremely harmful uh, to the caravan to have that mold growing in there. But uh, So just very, very simple things, but setting a task and following through so that we can watch our mind as it steps out of the present moment and delighting in cultivating that ability to bring the mind back to the present moment. These all slide together. The next one is letting go. So that's the Dhamma, delighting in the Dhamma, delighting in mental cultivation. Delighting in letting go, abandoning that which is unwholesome, abandoning our um, desire to be somewhere else in another time, you know, and then thinking that that means we'll finally be happy. Abandoning the uh, clinging to our desires, clinging to our ideas of what is going to make this moment better. How are we going to get someone to think of us in a particular way and then we're going to feel good? You know, when, when we, um, we rarely pay attention, well, uh, 
I rarely pay attention to uh, the habit or a habit of um, needing to identify uh, as a particular person uh, with a particular responsibility that gives me a particular status. You know, um, as we identify with what we want others to think of us, it's we lose our um, joy in the present because we're demanding affirmation from others. And there's no power in that. We are completely powerless and we're completely and will suffer when we need affirmation from others. You know, for whatever it is that we're clinging on to an idea of who we think we should be, who we think others should think of us. As Ajahn, I'm not Ajahn, um, the Buddha talks a lot about, uh, you know, the suffering that comes from conceit, the suffering. I think probably most people here have heard of the teachings. I can't, I can't quote it, but that goes something like, I, uh, when we think of ourselves as better or when we think of ourselves as less than another, when we think of ourselves as equal to another, we suffer. You know, it's a, that is a form that is guaranteed to make us suffer. It's, it's the need to identify ourselves based on other people's uh, reactions or needing to be affirmed by other people. And affirmation from other people means absolutely nothing. It actually won't provide us with a happiness internally. It only brings more suffering uh, because we're dependent then on what others think. And what the Buddha is pointing to is that self, that that need to identify in comparison to other people. That that need in itself, that's a clinging to an identity that we have no power over. We just lay at the feet of other people, you know, and and other people don't necessarily are necessarily going to pick it up or even know that's going on uh, for another person. So being able to see, letting go of whatever it is that we're clinging to, uh, you know, opinions and views, and just letting, letting that, um, letting it go, another way of putting it is allowing it uh, to go. You know, we have to, we actively recognize that I'm suffering, I'm holding on to something, you know, what is it that I want? I want whatever, say in this case recognition. I want affirmation. I must have it. You know, and then recognizing, oh, that's why I'm suffering. I can't make others give me something that I think I don't have. 
you know, and it's and it's not something another person can give us anyway. It's only something that we can give ourselves to see that it's okay as it is. So letting go of that of our habits of clinging. Um, another one is and and delighting in that ability, doing it once and delighting in oh, I let it go, or seeing, recognizing when we've we've. Um, Met with some kind of, uh, of uh, interaction that would normally totally throw us off, and recognize that, you know, we we may not have let go, but we didn't pick it up either. So just recognizing when we can stay put, and delighting in that ability, that experience, um, delighting in seclusion. I really like this one. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, although the practice comes, delighting in seclusion, a way of practicing with this is like going out to the forest or sitting by a, a lake or spending time alone and not being disturbed or distracted with mental cultivation um, and getting stronger and stronger in it. It also means being able to dwell in that sense of calmness and contentment no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what interactions are happening. So um, uh, Lungpur talks about uh, one who dwells with desire and attachment dwells with a partner, does not dwell in seclusion. So again, the same thing when we find ourselves caught up in our desires or our attachments to a particular uh, status, say. We are not dwelling in seclusion. We're dwelling with attachments, unwholesome attachments. And a way to cultivate the ability to dwell in seclusion is cultivating the ability to let go, recognizing I don't need to drag these in with me so that we can actually do this in the present moment no matter when, at some day. You know, that's a, it's a, that's, that's a big one, but it's really one to, um, that we could greatly benefit by. So the seventh one is uh, benevolence, delighting in loving kindness and compassion, um, Ajahn Suchito once said, don't let anyone or anything hijack your kindness. So we might hear something, some kind of political news that we, um, I did this just this week. I was listening to some podcasts and I, I, was, I was cooking and I just tossed my... <laughs> I tossed my cooking utensil rather firmly into the sink and just said an explicit. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, damn it. I was just so frustrated with hearing this again, <laughs> whatever it was, something that I didn't like. You know, just I got hijacked. My, my reaction hijacked. And, that, and, it, and I recognized it right away. And I had to laugh because while I was throwing my utensil in the sink, I... 
I also <laughs> a whole bunch of uh, food that I was cooking kind of splattered throughout the kitchen. So then I had the lovely mundane task of picking up all this <laughs> food off the floor and the counter. Um, but, the, but we can take these opportunities to actually delight in, oh, mundane task. <laughs> I can do this, even though a moment ago I was kind of pissed and I got hijacked. I can be present and just, you know, when we're really still and present, no matter what we're doing, it's actually calm. It, we can actually delight in the peacefulness of the mind and the heart for those moments. Um, and the final one is non-proliferation. Uh, returning uh, to the stillness. So uh, non-proliferation, just really recognizing when our mind has gone off, gone out, uh, you know, searching for something, searching for something uh, to feel better about ourselves, with or searching for uh, something that uh, we can that will satisfy our sense of aversion, you know, justify. I'm, I'm getting a I'm getting a Charlie horse in my foot. <laughs> um, searching for something other than what's in the present moment because we want because we're either bored or we don't. Uh, feel we deserve this or we want excitement or whatever whatever it is our mind starts to proliferate to entertain itself or to uh, get something or to get away from something and noticing as we start to spin you know in our in our mental world start to spin and start to search and noticing that if we can that the anxious energy the search for this isn't good enough, this moment isn't good enough. And so all of these little practices, this mental cultivation, the letting go, the seclusion, the benevolence, the non-proliferation will help us as we develop these. It helps us to recognize Dhamma, recognize the truth, you know, other than what we say it is because of what we want it to be. And when, we're, when we can recognize Dhamma, our, our heart is contented. Our mind is, is still. It doesn't mean it's completely quiet. It means it's not reaching out beyond whatever's going on in this moment. <clears throat> 